0: So I went out to California for a board meeting and decided to take my family with me because otherwise I was just going to do it virtually. Just so many things happening and so many moving parts. We were supposed to use airfare to get down to Florida over Christmas break for those of you who were following along and those flights all got canceled because of a snowstorm. So we had all these credits on Southwest I was like, the company I was going to see was like, we'd really love to have you over there in person. So guilt always works on Kevin Oakley. Uh, That's lesson number one. (laughs) Lesson number two is I was like, well, if I can, if my family wants to go and I can use the vouchers for airfare, then why not? So we go out there and we did many things. My family wanted to stay in Hollywood, which I tried to warn them against, but they were like, no, we want to go see the stars. And I'm like, they're just stars in concrete, not exciting. especially eight and 10 year old boys are like, whatever. They did the wax museum we saw the Hollywood sign, funny story, ha- like we almost got our car towed while doing that. But then they were like, let's get out of Hollywood because this place is dirty and not really that interesting. <laughs> so we, <laughs> you we said, went down to Orange you. County for our last night and we went surfing in the Pacific Ocean as a family. We only had like five hours of daylight left in the day. We went rent, rented wetsuits, get surfboards and, and uh, bodyboards run out there. And it was crazy. Uh, It was 50 degrees. No one told me how cold that really is. I mean, everyone kept saying, well, with a wetsuit, you can last like an hour, two hours, no problem. But it's still your feet go numb. And until they go numb, it's painful. Then they go numb. Becca, yeah, you should have warned me about this. You're you're a world sailing champion or something. Yeah.
1: Well, a long, long time ago. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you've been like every major body of water right? Like
1: not every major body of water, but generally around the U S and then also in New Zealand. Yeah. Like, that, yeah. like
0: that's normal. You're saying that <laughs> like it's normal, like no big deal. <laughs> anyway, no one warned me. So as I'm trying not to get hypothermia and, and, and surf, I'm also thinking about analogies that we've used over the years about how search volume and and traffic is kind of like catching the wave and, and I'm having this, like, trying to make sure my kids don't die, uh, trying to think <laughs> about how surfing analogies work for marketing. And then I, and then I crashed for the first time, uh, trying to get up on the board, and it, and it hit my face for the first time. And, I, and if you've never experienced this, I just think it's it's crazy. It's like surfing in snow. Or like, it's like if you wrecked in snowboarding, but you're in water and your body's not cold, but your feet are. And then you can't breathe for a second because of the shock of how cold everything is. It was just weird. And yeah. that's my, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> if you ever have a chance to go in the Pacific and surf, you should, but it will be cold. <laughs> that's it. I've
2: all right, never right. I've g- never surfed, never <laughs> been to the Pacific, but now I know. And I don't go like surf to really the, cold, so. Go surf
0: on the Atlantic, which the waves are not okay. as good, but no, no feeling of like dunking yourself, like, it's like Doing a polar bear plunge like a, while yeah, trying to stabilize plunge. yourself on a board
2: sounds with terrible a, with
0: a wave going eight feet over your head, right? It's, sounds it's awful. just a lot for this Ohio kid.
1: Go go to Florida, go to the east coast when there's not a hurricane, because it gets pretty dangerous when there's a hurricane. But if you want warm water, the family will
0: enjoy it more. <laughs> yeah. The waves again aren't as good, but it's okay. It, it's good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let's start talking about marketing, shall we? Let's get started. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com. Welcome to episode 267. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today is Julie Jarnigan and Becca Thomas. Hi. Hello. All right. It, it, we are recording on March 9th, and it's busy. It's staying busy. It got really busy in, in January and February, and builders got happy, and mm-hmm. now they're still happy ish, mostly happy. Sales are, sales are occurring, but there's this, that sense of unease is creeping back. It felt like for mm-hmm. two or three weeks, maybe a month, almost everyone was like, yes. Um, <laughs> but now marketers are, are, what, where do we think it's coming from? Where's, where's the stress? Cause we're selling houses, maybe not selling as many houses. I don't know. You have any thoughts? Yeah.
2: I mean, I think we're selling up some of that inventory. That was the reason that we sold some of those houses. I think that's a little scary. I think we're seeing the summer months on the horizon, which already, you know, aren't always the best months. And they realize that maybe this momentum is going to slow down. I think that's scaring them a little bit. I think they're just trying to look out over the horizon and they don't know what's there. So they're scared it's a cliff they're going to run right off of.
1: (laughs) I I totally agree with you. And I want to add one more point. I think we're all addicted to numbers of traffic and that we're scared as the next quarter comes, traffic's going to drop off and we're used to spending more money to get more traffic and having more and more traffic. And, yeah, you know, seasonality is going to come in to kind of really wreck that.
0: Yeah. And When you produce a lot more traffic, a lot of times that does solve problems on its own. Yeah. But that kind of trick, so to speak, is we're getting to the point where, and that's my story time, so I'll come back to that in a minute. But traffic is, is not anyone's problem overall. I also think it's just interesting. I was talking to someone two days ago, and here are the numbers. In January, they sold eight homes, and in February, they sold 29 homes. And I said, oh and your sales plan for february she said 16 but then we proceeded to talk about how nervous everyone was and and sales management kind of freaking out and saying what can we do we got to we got to change the game we got to you know flip the script come up with something new get creative how how does this all and, and i was like where do you think that comes from cuz didn't didn't you just have a great like it's almost a sense of well that was a that was a one off and and then we started going through the numbers, and I was like, no, it's not a one-off. Look at look at the improvement from December to January to February, not just in traffic or in leads, but in, you know, now they have an online salesperson in place, they're scheduling appointments, the the process is starting to work. And I was like, shouldn't we start to gain more confidence that we understand how this engine is functioning and improving? Versus and, and it was funny because the marketer looked at me and she kind of smiled and she said. Yeah. And we kind of agreed, like, you just need to calm down. Like, everyone, it's like someone needs to grab the megaphone and just go through the office and say, everyone, please calm down. It's okay. Because the number, there was nothing in the numbers that was scary whatsoever. And even the leading indicators in March were, this is going to roll on. So I was like, yeah, next time someone comes to you and they're all nervous, just say, hey, you know, in February when our sales goal was 16 and we sold way more than that. And we're still selling in March. Like, to me, the, the more productive paranoia is always about the future. Not like this week. Like, today's Thursday. I, I don't want to talk about Saturday. That's already, like, so if we want to talk about what do we do if interest rates go to seven and a half or eight, that's more productive than saying what new uh, messaging gimmick are we going to, or, or campaign is maybe my other least favorite word. At times, like we need a new campaign. What does that mean? Maybe we just need to continue with the same great content and making sure that content's distributed properly and at, in a cost-efficient way. And maybe that's enough. I don't know. That's that's where we are right now. All right, story time. <music> Becca, why don't you go first?
1: All right. So. Um... Let me see. I have had a break from riding because my horse is in North Carolina and this winter I found some place to ride and it made me think about how tough you are on yourself when you're trying to kind of achieve a goal and to relate that to marketing. It's been a long time since a lot of us have been in a market like this and some of us have never been in a market like this. And I think we need to celebrate some of the little wins, right? Like hitting your sales goals or hitting your traffic or your appointment goals for the month as things go along. Otherwise, we just tend to think we don't have enough leads. We don't have enough sales. This content's not right. And then we tend to burn ourselves out. And I think if you stop and think at least once a week about something positive that you've done, that has positively impacted the company. You'll have a better outlook for things as they change in this market.
0: Yeah, I think anytime you can track that stuff. Yeah, uh, we just got off a call with someone, and we were their conversion rate for, on the traffic on the website is not where it really should be. Their content looks great. Yeah, uh, pricing has been adjusted. They're offering two point eight seven five percent interest rates on a three, two, one, buy down, they've got paint, like everything that you would go through. Oh yeah. You were on, you were there with me, weren't you? Becca? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you were there together. And you know, we're, we're talking about things that could be improved or, or changed in calls to action. And all yeah. of this stuff is on the scale of minute to large on the smaller side. Yeah. But you know, you do two or three small changes and that can add up to, you know, maybe a two or 5% impact on lead volume. And that, that can, yeah that can be great. But she was kind of in that mode right now of, I think her words more or less, Becca, were, yeah, but like, that's, I just keep doing this small stuff. And I've, I essentially, yeah. I want to do something big. I want to do something that I feel yep. has a big impact and the small stuff doesn't feel like satisfying in the same way. Is that kind of right. where you're coming from?
1: Yeah. Yeah, a little bit, because we're used to small changes making big impacts. And now the small changes are making small impacts because Mm. our total market is smaller. And if I go back to the writing, that's kind of the same thing. I'm making very small changes for small impacts for, you know, incremental improvement as things go along. And I think Sometimes you just have to be okay with small changes making small impacts as long as you know you're doing the most that you can do for your company.
0: Yeah. And that the other hard part about that is you might be beholden to another department or group in the company that's not innovating or improving in the same way. And so That's the thing. Like I've had a lot of people that we work with and not work with over the last week or so reach out, and they're just generally frustrated with their careers. And I think some of that also blends into this of they're like, I'm doing everything I can. Yeah. And part of what's, we kind of can see it because we work with so many different organizations that someone could do the same thing in another company that has you know, the online sales team dialed in or the sales team is dialed in or ownership is dialed in. Like when all those things are aligned, a small change still can create an outsized impact. Yeah. Whereas if you make even a big change, but those dominoes, like when it hits the sales floor, so to speak, that like the dominoes are falling, then it gets to sales. And they're like, yeah, like uh, twice today, I heard someone say that their salespeople are complaining about too much activity again. Like we have too many people (laughs) coming through our homes. Uh, yes. so oh, man. yeah even in, like in that sense <laughs> there is this outsized impact so they said that 500 people go through their model <laughs> homes this past weekend and so people are complaining about that's it's too many we don't know what to do with all these people right well <laughs> it's a good problem that was therapeutic i don't know if we found an answer there back up <laughs>
2: yeah
0: julie what do you got
2: well, we're on theme because you're talking about writing. I'm going to talk about jujitsu again. I feel like I can't talk about oh, it too much. It. So I spread I it. it out every few you months. You need to
0: tell me how to convince my kids. Can you start like a series, content series about okay. um, how great it, I need I need my boys, especially to start something.
2: Yeah, like that. they would love it. It's so much fun. So in a normal jujitsu class, or at least how we run it, your instructor teaches you kind of the move of the day or a few moves. So whether it's a... Like a takedown or a choke or something, and you have different instructors. You then you go drill with your partner, like who's not resisting, and um, practice it and get it down. And then at the end of class, it's like an open roll with a resisting partner. So there's different instructors, and some of them a lot like teach big guy jujitsu is what I call it. It's not what I'm good at. Like they teach a move, and I tell my husband, "Oh, that one wasn't for me today." Because I'm small and a woman, and like, like I don't pick have... up
0: your opponent and just slam them down. Exactly,
2: kind of like... exactly. It's like this is not my move. But so you can't just be like, well, I'm not going to learn this one because that one's not mine. And what I've learned is, is that if you drill it and learn it, you can get stuff from it. You learn how to defend that. You learn little things that you can then put into your game. So well, I was thinking about how this relates to home building. I did all the interviews for the market proof awards, and some of them are the same people. And some of the things we've been saying, you should do this. And I think sometimes we sound like broken records and people are like, well, that's not our market. They're on your lot and we're not, we're, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they're big, we're small. We have a big team, small team. We're never saying you need to take say Tilson's live video strategy that y'all are getting sick of us telling you, you how great it is. We're not saying you need to take that exact strategy and that exact strategy is going to work for you. It's that you need to go look at it, study it, figure out why the heck it's working so well for them and then how to work it into your game. So same thing. There's some of those moves that I'm never going to be able to pick them up and do it, but I'm going to learn you know, little things by going in and trying it and learning it and how to defend against it and why it works and all those things. So sometimes those things that you get annoyed that we talk about all the time and we're like, we know that worked for them. It doesn't work for us. Sometimes it's just taking the concepts and breaking it apart and looking at why it works and maybe how then you can incorporate something that works better for whatever your situation is.
0: Yeah. I like that a lot because when it, there's things that we talk about that we recommend people do. We're like, hey, this works for a lot of people, but not everyone. But then there are things where we know 95% of the time this works. And and I think those in particular are the ones that make the most sense where you can't say that doesn't work at all because it works for 95% of the other folks that we work with. And instead of having that negative outlook, it's like, well, what is it then and usually, like I was talking to someone the other day about NoviHome, and they said, well, our salespeople don't understand why, why would customers want to download an app when we can just text them the information they want, which that, that kind of makes sense. Or, or they said, I think the other thing was like, customers don't want to download another app. Okay. I, all, all those sound very reasonable, but I've never heard that feedback before from anyone else. Or when I have heard it, it's just been a lack of training or understanding of all that the tool can do. But they they have a very unique sales approach. They have one model for multiple locations. Salespeople kind of function like realtors. There's just a lot of things that are unique about it. And the the thing that goes off in my mind is, and they're wildly successful too. Okay, so the, again, that's the other part you can't really be like, that's not right because they just I think they just released another phase of a project and so it's like sold out. So. If So for the next year, all they can do is build homes (laughs) and like, look, we're selling, so we don't need to change. But there's something culturally about that company that often is the reason Uh, people want to blame the market or their customers. Most time when something doesn't work, it's, it's like built into the DNA of the people working at the organization. And in this case, part of the DNA of the sales team seems to be stay out of my business look at my results. I don't need to change. I don't need to do anything different. And I definitely, definitely don't need a system that might let other people see the type of follow-up or the amount of follow-up that I'm doing or not doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that's great. There's always something to learn. And introspectively, I would say, look at the culture of the organization and the, and the employees as something we don't often identify as being different.
2: And it's something you might resist the most. That you need to look at the hardest, not that you need to do it, but you need to figure out why that causes you to instantly be like, nope, we're not going to do that. We're not going to talk about that. We're not going to, that may be the thing you need to dissect more than anything else.
0: Yeah, I mean, our, our Steve Shoemaker, uh, one of my favorite people in the whole industry and Aaron who, who runs marketing at ideal. The, the joke amongst us for the last 10 years has been like, I don't know, it works for everyone else, Steve, but it's probably <laughs> not going to work in Oklahoma city. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But then we also talked about you know, Aaron sending the note of like, hey, I used the algorithm and it worked like perfectly in suggesting what was necessary to get in order to get the sales results we needed. And so, yeah, I mean, if, and I'm just saying that to say someone who is as good as Steve Shoemaker can still say like, yeah, the, like everything Kevin's ever said I should try hasn't worked. <laughs> he's still great. And the company's still great. <laughs> All right. My story time, I guess, is just that something miraculous happened on March 7th, and that is that we had more website traffic to home builder websites than at any time in history. Any time in history. The absolute all-time high-water mark of website activity happened on March 7th. The red line here on the screen for those of you watching video from HomeBuilder data. And on that day, we had over 205,000 unique users go on HomeBuilder websites in a single day. That's in comparison to other previous high watermarks of like the all-time high in, in 2021 was 191,000 uniques. Back in 2020, it was 190 as well. So traffic is traffic's not the problem. We have more than enough attention. We're also seeing that Repeat visitors coming back to home builder websites is starting to become a bigger source of traffic for a lot of people as well because they're still searching. Somewhere I read a stat that almost one-fourth of all transactions right now involve new construction as an average in the United States. So one out of four homes sold is new construction. I saw in in Boise back in the the thick of it, I think it was July or August of 2022, one-third of all homes sold. Uh, or new construction. Yeah. So there's lots of good things happening there. The other really interesting thing from my friend Mike Simonson who is on the podcast and his company, he has a company called Altos Research. There's two things the existing home inventory fell by another two and a half percent last week. There's 418, thousand homes around the country. Some other really interesting numbers that he shared is that immediate sales have been spiking. That basically means a home gets listed and goes into contract almost immediately within 48 hours. 18,000 homes were listed and went to contract immediately uh, last week. And then the last one that's really interesting to me is that this past week, there were more new and existing combined transactions that went into contract than the prior year. So there were 69,000 total sales or homes that went into contract this past week versus 68,000 a year ago. So spring market is here. Take advantage of it. Enjoy it. Is it the new normal? We, we don't know. Probably not because interest rates now are back over 7% as a national average. Um, but existing homes just aren't showing up. And that's why um, we all should continue to say our prayers at night is because that's that's one mm-hmm. of the main reasons that home builders are continuing to do really well right now. Yep. All right. Let's move on over to the news. First up, I believe uh, Market Proof Academy is sold out. Um, you can get on the wait list for that in case someone has to drop off or, uh, something else occurs with that. But, uh, if you go to the events page on the convert website, you'll see that that is now sold out. The online sales Academy, I think just has a handful of availability left as well. That one's in person again in Virginia beach. The market proof Academy one is virtual. And then let's see, it's the ninth. So yes, by the time you hear this, we will have released on March 14th a limited number of half-price tickets to the Online Sales and Marketing Summit. That does not happen until September. Make sure you claim your free ticket, one per builder. Details are on the website. There's a some criteria there, but as long as you meet that, that basic criteria, you get one free ticket and then a limited number of half-price tickets have been released by the time you hear that. So go in the show notes, click the link over to that. And uh, while they last, you can get a, uh, a ticket to everything and everything at the event is exactly the same or better. They're, this year, uh, the plan is to have two tracks for online sales, two tracks for marketing, and leadership courses or sessions as well. So it's going to be better than ever. All right, the last self-promotional thing um, before we get into the real news. You, you all know how uncomfortable I get talking about ourselves, uh, especially me, but I, my, I did write a blog post for Builder Magazine entitled Why AI is Your New Productivity Companion. and And like we talked about on the podcast before, Uh, It's a, it's a calculator for reading and writing, but I also just use it as an analogy to say, just like your cell phone made you more productive when you got your first iPhone or your first BlackBerry, this really is no different. And Beck and I were also on with someone earlier and we were talking about ChatGPT and she said, you know, but it it kind of gets repetitive Uh, when I ask it a similar question, but for a different location, it's giving me kind of the same answers. And I think what's interesting there, just to go one level deeper on how um, machine these, these language models work, is <laughs> I jokingly had to say the challenge is that actually you're probably being repetitive in the prompts that you're giving us. So you're probably saying the exact same thing but changing out the location. And the inputs are the differentiator. So the data is all there. The language model has been built off of everything that's read. The difference is what prompts you give it. And so if you just change up the question you're asking a little bit, you'll get you'll start to get different answers, and also this is in terms of your productivity companion idea. If you have a chef, well, this is from uh, Chamath Palihapitiya. He used this example at a conference that I was watching online earlier today, and he said, if if a language model, so ChatGPT is owned by OpenAI, was um, partnered with Microsoft, uh, Google is going to have their own AI system, uh, Meta is working on an AI system, more, more robust AI system to rival chat GPT, et cetera. If they all had the same 100 pieces of data to be trained on, they would all come out with basically the same answer. The difference is in what you're, the data that you're trained on or have access to. And so if you have one of those systems that has access to one other unique piece of data, it will be able to produce uh, differentiated results compared to the others. Why am I talking about that? Because... We, the human using the AI is that one to two percent differentiator, which doesn't sound like maybe a big difference, but it is actually a hundred percent of the difference. <laughs> that makes sense. I don't know if that mm-hmm. like I need to sketch out, uh, but we're an audio <laughs> program, so that's hard. You're a hundred percent of the difference, even though the of the ingredient set to how you're you're getting the model to work is small, it's a hundred percent of the difference. And even this idea of you know, I, I produce content now that only goes on all access and there's several reasons why. But one of those is I don't want, even now I'm, I'm thinking two, three years from now, I don't want someone to say, just go read everything that Kevin's ever written and tell me his thoughts on X, Y, and Z. I don't want to make it that easy for anyone to do that. There's stuff that's just going to be in this private place that those, those AI systems don't have access to go and do that. Lots of stuff again lots of different thoughts there. I don't know if you guys have any other questions, but basically don't fight it, use it, play with it. I mean, I routinely now help my kids with prompting solutions. My eight-year-old decided he wanted to write a book on, um, I think he must've plagiarized this from someone. I think it was called The Perfect Performance. And it was all about how to be the best version of yourself and to have good family relationships. (laughs) And he's playing around on his iPad, making this book for like two hours, which is awesome. And then, uh, I said, Hey, I just went on, uh, the computer using ChatGPT, And I, I said, make a 10 chapter outline based upon the f- parts you've already written. And I said, here you go. And he was like, Oh my gosh, this is great. And I said, don't, you don't have to use all 10 chapter ideas. Don't do it word for word. It's just a prompting because without that, you know, young kid, he's, he couldn't come up with 10 different ways to look at that same topic very easily. And now he's written eight chapters. He found eight that he liked and riffed on those ideas on his own, but it was just a place for him to start.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. I was actually listening to a podcast the other day where they were talking about, in that they were talking about where all the AI is going and everything. And they were talking about how someday they see it where our job as marketers is going to be how to direct people what prompt to put in. So Mm -hmm. instead of getting people to our product, it's like, how do we get people to be asking for this particular prompt that then leads to our product? So it's, I think that's kind of the next step is it's, there's the AI and yes, it can generate content, but also the prompt is the thing now. Mm -hmm. It's such a big part of it. And then the other, I heard a crazy statistic. It was a, a VP of marketing at Jasper had said that in Jasper's like two years, Last year, they had generated 15 billion words. Let me see if I can find it. 15 billion mm-hmm. words in Jasper. All of Wikipedia, English language Wikipedia, over the last 10 years has generated 4 billion. So just in like, just the amount of it's not all good, but mm-hmm. it's just moving so fast. I thought that was a crazy stat.
0: Yeah. And yeah. all that content can then be upvoted or downvoted by the users of that was good or that was bad. So it's yep. continuing mm-hmm. again. It has... And that's, that's where Facebook, even TikTok, who we'll talk about, like these companies that have large data sets are positioned better than just the company that invents the best language model, because that, that'll get duplicated or replicated relatively quickly. But who has access mm-hmm. to the data will win. All right, next up from searchengineland.com TikTok enters the search ad market, challenging Google and Microsoft. And some advertisers are skeptical that TikTok has the appropriate brand safety guardrails in place for its search ads product. So there's a couple of different parts to this. Um, What what is happening? So creating an ad product based upon search activity for TikTok is one part. The the other part is TikTok itself, which I have to control my own thoughts on a little bit. And then then there's the brand safety part, which I guess goes... So where, where do we want to start? What what do you guys think about this?
2: I always think it's funny when we put anything in, we start talking about TikTok <laughs> within our own, do you convert yeah. Black channel? People have such dramatic opinions about it. So I just always think, always think it's yeah. interesting, but the search thing doesn't really surprise me that, that they would go in that direction. I mean, it, it makes yeah. sense. I thought that it was crazy. They said, 40% of young people would type in a search to, like if they were looking for somewhere to eat, they would type it into Instagram or TikTok instead of typing it into Maps. So it's just showing where that's going. So it actually makes good sense um, mm-hmm. that they would do that. Now, whether I think TikTok is a good idea is a different <laughs> thing, but I mean, it's yeah. smart for them to take this as the, right. as the yeah. next step. Yeah.
0: Yeah, why, why not have ads related to what people are typing in? So, and every time we also talk about TikTok, there's a couple of you, you know who you are, who reach out to me and and send me articles about no, it is the greatest thing ever and it is being used. So one of the stats in the article is that it suggests that almost 40% of young people searching for a lunch spot would do so on TikTok or Instagram rather than Google Maps or Google search. I mean, that makes sense, but I, I think we've asked, we've talked about this before. I don't think it that's a singular search. I think that's an initial starting point, but TikTok hasn't built out the whole ecosystem of, okay, now how do I get there? Give me directions turn by turn, right? Like you're, you're going to do that and then you're going to do another search somewhere else. So I think it it feels to me like it's additive search, not replacement search or like exploratory search versus high intent search.
1: Yeah. Like when we would look on Instagram for really pretty pictures of food that we want to eat for. you know, lunch locations or food trucks and follow them to then go to either Google or some other way to get to them on the site.
0: And one of the things that they're speculating is that TikTok is going to allow people more granular targeting options like Facebook of old, which again, it's like, okay, well, that's, that is more compelling and, and makes it easier from a targeting standpoint but i also wonder if that's just because they don't trust their algorithms so again meta does a pretty darn good job when you give it a even like a statewide radius and say find people who are likely to do this activity on a builder's site it does a really good job tiktok just may not have that functionality yet to the same level and so they're going to give you more granular targeting options to counteract that in terms of the brand safety thing i mean if you're on tiktok period i don't i have a hard time believing you care about brand safety <laughs> You know, like Here. I'll just use my, and I, <laughs> I'm not like a tinfoil hat person, but I, if someone sends me a link to watch a TikTok video, I will log in, I will watch it. And then I will log out. I, I don't, I don't stay logged into the app and it's not because I'm worried about China spying on me. I just, the whole thing gives me a feeling of, of like uh, cancer to your lungs is like what that product is to your brain. And I will talk about my father-in-law cause why not? Right. He doesn't listen to the show. Uh, probably never will and he's older but he's like he said something hilarious when he came to visit us over christmas he goes yeah i tried that tiktok thing but all i see are russian women and and like how to make pizzas content and so of course i'm like well steve did you like ask to see no stuff just starts showing up and i and then it just keeps showing up and i think that that's the insidious nature is that us based companies they're not perfect, but they are at least giving lip service to the idea of protection of minors. And to give them unfettered access to this kind of stuff is, I think, I, I don't trust a country like China to have interest or our interests there. And that's different. I'm not saying they're trying to, I don't believe in the zombie, you know, like they're trying to mind control us or, or other things necessarily. Although that, that, may, that may be naive on my part. I'm just worried about... Just a lack of of filtering options. Interestingly enough, TikTok, you know, is is about to get banned potentially, which takes us to our next article mm-hmm. from CNBC. White House endorses new Senate TikTok bill, urges Congress to pass it quickly. Um, so there's lots of talk, and it's it's gaining steam, not slowing down because it is an issue that both sides of the aisle seem to be able to get behind uh, for different reasons. But the outright banning of it, well, I don't know. I, I'm I'm talking a lot. You guys, you guys take it.
2: Yeah. Well, first off, the longer it takes them to do something about it, the harder it's going to be to do. I feel like untangle all of this, you know, the more momentum it grows, um, the more people are going to fight for that not to happen. I feel like,
0: yeah, they got, they definitely have to do it quickly if it's going to happen. But like TikTok is trying to do its own thing saying, I, I think they have rolled out parental controls now in terms of the amount of time. So if you're a minor. Your adult has to enter in a code, how they verify that the adult putting in the code, who knows? Like if we have kids, we all know how they get around this stuff. Yeah. But I think after 30 minutes, they have to get parental approval to, to use the app for longer. And it's like, oh, that's interesting timing that you're now rolling this out. The other thing I've announced is the ability to kind of filter out content based upon age appropriateness. But it's just interesting that all these things are rolling out as the talk of banning is getting louder and louder.
1: I think regardless, whether they end up banning it or not, you're going to run into the freedom of speech kind of
0: mentality. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I think that's definitely on the one hand how you would push back. Yeah, the other is that there is no protection for consumers either. Yes, and, and again, an organization that can't be controlled or influenced in the same way because it's it's sitting outside of of U.S. jurisdiction, so to speak. But I honestly, I don't see it. Coming down to an outright ban, I see it as not not being on government devices for purely security reasons. I could see that happening, and I can see the pressure around a potential ban, again accelerating some of this other. Um, like again, as a parent, yeah. I don't. I've tried sign up for all these different services, like that that bleep out the f word on Netflix automatically, or or all this different stuff. But if there was just a service that said, "Here is the algorithm." Like, as a parent, I could choose to, instead of suggesting Russian bride videos to my father-in-law, I could say, show him golf stuff and, like, educational content around this. Or, like, every every three videos, encourage something around Mark Rober or science or whatever. Like, I, yeah. as a parent, I would happily pay for that. Yeah, uh, I
1: wonder, because, you know, since the these apps generally originated here in the U.S., I'm wondering if Europe has a bit more in line and and set up in terms of these sorts of controls that we could then kind of take their mold and use it and adapt it to our regulations. Yeah, so far
0: the only mold that Europe seems to have around all this stuff is just sue people all the time for everything (laughs) and fine them. Lots of money. I don't. I don't okay. think they have an answer yet either. But but they do get more revenue, I think, for their governments <laughs> uh, by regularly suing and fining people in the okay. EU.
2: I did have to laugh at the one line in this article that sounded like it was like written by an eighty-year-old. But it said TikTok, which has become a viral sensation in the U.S. by allowing <laughs> kids to create and share short videos. It's like, is that what it is? Yeah. yeah, kids. To- Something yeah.
0: tells me ChatGPT was is, is to edit that. <laughs>
2: Uh, It's just an odd odd line
0: in the middle of that article. Oh, goodness. Okay, two more. Um, Next up from Search Engine Land as well. Google launches new Google Trends portal. This could be exciting, everybody. SEO content creators and marketers use Google Trends as part of their tool set. So this update might be useful for all of you. Just launched a new look and feel for the the portal. This update brings uh, real-time trends on the homepage, updated hourly with links directly to publishers' news articles the company announced. So real-time trends are now on the homepage. They're updated every hour. And these links can generate significant amounts of search traffic if you happen to to be one of these things that are trending. So it's interesting that they've kind of taken what was primarily a research tool to kind of like pulling from Twitter's now trending content.
2: Yeah, that's what I thought of too. like consumer use case. Yeah. 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 I like it. I like it. It is a good tool. It's hard. I have a lot of like builders who will ask about Google Trends for like their research on things, but it's hard because some of the things as a builder that you're searching for to see if it's a trend is too low search volume to really show up. So sometimes that's the problem with Google Trends is it doesn't get granular enough to show you on those terms that you're really looking at locally. Yeah. But I I like this change. I think it's cool. I, I would go, you know, check it every now and again just to see what was trending. Yep. Me too.
0: Yeah. My hope is that this just spurs more innovation in the tool itself beyond just being more consumer facing for like what's hot or what's new. (laughs) Any more insight that we can get, because generally Google just keeps closing more and more doors of visibility, not Mm -hmm. opening them. I also thought it was interesting that Google has been on this trend for a long time for marketers of you don't need to push that button and you don't need to watch that. Just tell us how much money you're willing to spend and how many leads you want or how many whatever and let us control. And And if, if you're doing that now, I'll speak for the ad doctor, just say, stop it. (laughs) I think of the, I think the number is roughly $2 million a month in search or so that we manage like 98% of it is manual bid setups Uh, for very, very good reasons. I mean, again, non-humbly we're the best in the world at it and you don't wanna give that control away. And now uh, Meta has announced that they're gonna create other advertising technology using their AI system. But similarly to how um, Performance Max campaigns in Google, there are no search terms, right? So you have no control. You just say, this is the outcome I want, here's all my money, we trust you. And generally <laughs> speaking, they're garbage or spam leads right. or worse. Meta is now saying, we've got this new AI system that's gonna target, just like the old days, but you're going to have no control over anything. Trust us. And I think it's interesting how how everything kind of is heading in that direction. Which I know we've talked about AI. Like, that is a form of AI. And it could be your performance accelerating companion. But to the extent where it doesn't even allow you to add your 1%, that's when we get nervous.
1: Yeah.
0: Like a completely closed off system. Yeah. Last up, Julie, you found this one. This was this is very interesting <laughs> uh, from, from Business Insider. Hiring is so hard for a Montana builder that it's flying in construction workers on a private jet. It's more so economical wild. to rent the jet, it told the Federal Reserve, uh, than it is to find the tight labor market is a target of the Fed as it tries to bring down inflation by hiking interest rates. So if you've not been paying close attention to this, the Federal Reserve controls short-term interest rates, which generally affect primarily housing, lending, lending-related industries like housing, auto, finance, et cetera. And their goal really, after the last two days of testimony by the Fed chair uh, to Congress, is to get some people to start, more people to start losing their jobs, but hopefully just not a lot of people to lose their jobs. We, we need for things to to cool off more. And this story definitely seems like Wow! If we can't get people to build homes in Montana without using a private jet, we still probably have higher rates ahead of us in the short term. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think I think you hear you know labor shortage and like you're like oh, but that one kind of hits you across the face. Like oh, this is like a um, a big problem and that's crazy. So yeah, that one jumped out at me for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, flying people in, I, I've. Met a lot of like people who do traveling nursing, and I also just today was reading an article that I th- I think there's 1.6 million um, traveling nurses around the country. It's a lot. Where where they they just get sent somewhere and all their expenses are covered and they're still making a salary. It sounds like a pretty great opportunity, but where I found it was in an article speculating that um, commercial real estate, so office space, the value of those may go down by as much as forty percent over the next couple of years. And this is actually from the CEO of Regis, which is a co-working space, less famous than WeWork, but it's been around a long time. Uh, so you, you might be a, have a Regis membership and you can travel all over the country. Wherever you go, you can find an office to work in. And his speculation was that with, this, with fewer people returning to the office than some people anticipated, all this office space will kind of turn into like gas stations for work where you will have all of these open places where you can come in, use the office and leave. And he was referencing people like traveling nurses, et cetera, where there's, you've got these, and there is a new service I I just saw. I can't remember the name of it, where you, you pay up front a normal rental amount, but you're part of a network of 40 different cities. And with a week notice, you can say, I want to live in Amsterdam. I want to live in London. I want to live here. Uh, There's no cleaning fees. There's no security deposits. You just move around for And I think that is, it it sure sounds like what more of the future is like. I mean, the number of people who do, who also reach out to us and, and, and just say, Hey, my company wants me to go back to the office full time and I'm not doing it. uh, Even in our industry is, is, is interesting to hear. Did
1: you see the article about, um. Uh, there's a cruise that you can take for two or three years where you can do your work remote.
0: Yeah, I think it was Rachel on our team was like, if I didn't have kids, I would sign up for this.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. These are all people <laughs> without kids doing all these. Wasn't things. Wasn't that a show on right? MTV
0: back in the day of like, uh, like you were on the for a semester at sea? I think was the name of the company. Do you remember that? No, no. just me. I, I never. I wasn't allowed to watch MTV, so because <laughs> I wasn't allowed to watch it. Like all the kids in school would talk about, it, and I—I I was sure they must be the best content on television. That <laughs> I, that I watch, you know? All right, favorites. Ooh. Our favorite books, movies, shows. I'm going to go first because I oftentimes don't have anything that I'm really excited about. But on Apple TV, there is a show called Shrinking. Uh, Harrison Ford's in it, which piqued my interest. Although I'm not sure he's acts the best in it, but it is hilarious. It's called Shrinking because. Uh, I'm not giving too much away in the first 10 minutes you find this out. The main character, his wife has passed away and he's doing drugs and uh, has prostitutes at his house. It's just a bad thing. And he also has a teenage daughter who's living with him, who's kind of like taking care of him. He's a complete mess. And then you watch in the first like five minutes, he he shows up to work. He has to get on a bike because his car's out of gas. Like he's just a wreck. And he sits down. And at first you think he's the one there to meet the professional and like, Share about his struggles. And he's like, All right, let's get started. I'm like, sorry, I'm late.
2: Oh, and he's the he's one giving the str-
0: psychological advice to other people. And it is, <laughs> it is so good. And it's, it's just one season. I think the episodes are short, like 30 minutes. There is some language. We can't watch it with kids around, um, but it is hilarious. Okay.
2: I never watch anything over there. I only keep it for Ted Lasso. So maybe I need to watch it. Yeah. You'll like Ted Lasso finishes and I get rid of it.
0: I don't know if it has anything, (laughs) but but you know how Ted Lasso has a cadence to how people talk and Mm -hmm. how it's shot? It's very similar, but it's about human psychology and how messed up, you know, quote unquote professional people still can be. Okay. It's really funny. Good. Who's next? Mine is
2: different. My favorite thing this week has been that I don't know if they do this everywhere, but the Boy Scouts here will deliver your mulch to your house for you and you're donating to them and they come up with a trailer and all these kids and they just start. I ordered 50 bags of mulch because we have way too many flower beds. (laughs) <laughs> and every year it's a huge ordeal. I have to go to Home Depot. It takes me multiple trips. And by the time I get it all loaded up and unloaded, I'm too tired to spread it out. So yay for the Boy Scouts and delivering my mulch this year.
1: <laughs> oh, that's like an all-time gold star winner.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear it tends to be like football teams. At the high school Mm. doing the same thing, but I think that's a great idea. Yeah. So, should I feel bad
2: that it was like little kids I was having carry my mulch for you? If you want to
0: think about it, if you want to think about it better, it's like you found an AI system for mulch laying.
2: Absolutely. You
0: you don't need to be involved in that.
1: Yep. (laughs) Awesome. My favorite thing today, specifically, and for the last few snowstorms, is the snowblower I bought before it snowed. And it's electric, so you just pop in the two batteries, and I can do my driveway and then the whole sidewalk
0: in one charge. That's as awesome. long as you know the what snow. Means, though, back what? When, unfortunately, what you're not gonna you're not gonna have enough snow to use it for probably two years now. That's what happened to me. <laughs> yes, I, I bought, pretty much. We had this giant snowstorm in Pittsburgh. I bought a, a snowblower, never used it again. Same with the generator. We finally sold it. <laughs> the guy came to the house and he was like, can you start it up? I said, no, we've never put gas in it. I've had it for seven years.
2: Well, yeah. Yeah. well it's sadly, no- we have to use our generator a lot. <laughs> in yeah, you do.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I almost bought a whole house generator at our last house, which I'm glad we didn't because we ended up moving four months later. So that was a win. But I have gotten to use this snowblower a couple of times albeit at like two inches instead of what I was expecting which was like six or eight yeah. so it works really good on the small amounts of snow that I could probably shovel but don't want to
0: <laughs> half of our listeners in the south and the west are like what I know snow a snowblower
2: yeah yeah it's like in the 80s here
0: yeah <laughs> right well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to become a member for free of Do you Convert's all-access community app for home builders and developers. Watch behind-the-scenes videos from the podcast, frequent exclusive postings and analysis from the team, access to private Hangouts, and more. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us on another episode of Marketproof Marketing. Can't wait for the next one or looking to connect with other new home marketers? Become a member of our private community, DYC All Access, which is 100% free and always will be. Get exclusive content not shared anywhere else, access to private events, and the ability to join a marketing impact group with other marketers like you around the country. Visit our link in the show notes or members.doyouconvert.com to join. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.